new concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 podcast, live episode number five. I cannot believe we are here in 2017 already. Crazy. Time is flying, huh? It is. How were the holidays for you guys? They were great. Really, really some good downtime. I sort of disconnected completely and just spent some time with family for about eight days. And it's been really nice just to be able to shut the world off. Yeah, I did that for a long time. I think you should have with your new baby with Bear. I think that's such an awesome time that you get right after he's born. I'll tell you, for me, I've posted a couple of videos lately on Facebook, on my blog here. But for me, last year and this year were the first two years, I think of my career, that I can remember that I allowed myself to get just enough into the holidays. And I have to clarify this because I don't want it to seem like I didn't enjoy spending time with my family. That is not the point here. But what I've done in the past is I've spent so much time away from work just as downtime. As I worked really hard this year, I really deserve this. I really need this, you know, these two weeks. A lot of people don't work in our business. And man, I just basically went comatose for like two weeks, ate a bunch of bad food, didn't work, didn't check emails. It is so hard to get the gears turning again when you get back into the new year. Yeah. So for this year and last year as well, but for this year, especially I was more focused on it. Last year was more of a test run. I said, I'm going to get into the holidays. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to spend a ton of time with family. But it was really cool. As much as I enjoyed the holidays and the days that I didn't work, there was kind of this thing in the back of my mind, this anticipation, this excitement for the new year and what this my career and this office and everything's going to bring is that I can guarantee you now that the new year has started. I'm way ahead of where I would have been in years past. So I would encourage you guys to do that. You may I've got a lot of good feedback on the videos I put out there about this. But I would encourage you guys, if you're one of the type of people whose business shuts down a little bit at the end of the year, or you could use this even when you go on vacation as well, allow yourself to enjoy it. Enjoy it for everything that it's worth. But if it's hard for you to get back into the grind once everything starts up, you probably should do yourself a favor. Stay excited about what's coming on the horizon. Get into the holidays, get into that vacation, but always have that anticipation to start running again once you get back. I think you'll be uh, a lot more psychologically and mentally into it when it's time to kick it off. Well, it's sort of like what we talked about last episode, uh, being a producer versus being a consumer, right? We get a whole lot more fulfillment out of producing than we do consuming. I will say this past seven, eight days I took off has really given me enough time. I sort of handcuffed myself from doing any work. And it was enough time off that I am like dying to get stuff done and dying to be productive. So I think that there's a healthy balance, you know, between the two for sure. Yeah. And I'd love to hear from you guys out there as well, who are listening to this. If you have found that it's a little harder for you to get going and you've implemented something like this to where you stay engaged, it's an awareness, it's an engagement that you stay fully engaged, but yet you're off, you're taking time off. I'd love to hear from you. Maybe there's some systems, some techniques that you guys are doing that are even even a little bit different but we'd love to hear some feedback from you. Absolutely. I have a funny story for the listeners. Uh, I get out of my house this morning. I get ready to get in my car. You know, I put my coffee down. I sit in my car and then I realize I have no driver's side door mirror. <laughs> What's going on? I have no idea. Somebody stole the mirror, just the glass, not the whole build out, but just the glass of the mirror. So you had like wires hanging out or something? Wires hanging out. I thought for sure (laughs) that maybe somebody had like a drive-by where they maybe hit my car door window or 
whatever it was. But I get out of my car. There's no glass on the ground. And the cables, you know, so car doors usually nowadays have a, a heater that heats your mirror. Right. And so there's these cables that hook up to the mirror and the, the cables are like hanging out, you know, of the, <laughs> of the mirror itself, the assembly and craziest thing. And you don't realize how much you use your mirror. To oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's the same way with your voice. I mean, I'm trying to get my voice back still. It's like you don't realize how much you talk until you can't talk. <laughs> so I think what I'm learning about you, Jordan, and this is something I need to be aware of, but maybe others that hang out with you as well. Uh, your funny stories, quote unquote, have involved some sort of theft or drama. Uh, so if you're contacting me on the weekend to go hang out or do something with you, yeah, I'm probably going to figure out an excuse to go somewhere oh, else. So, great. I'm from Baton Rouge. So yeah, there's that. Trouble finds you or you find trouble one or the other. Are you always hanging out in kind of bad parts of town? Do you live in a bad So park? I live a mile from Highland Park, a half oh. a mile from Highland Park. So if you guys are familiar with Dallas, Highland Park is the most affluent. Um, and I'm maybe a quarter mile from You're riding the, the coattails of yeah, Highland Park. Exactly. That's good. Man, maybe it's those people that just knew they didn't want to get on into Highland Park and steal stuff. They stayed right out on the coattails and hit your, uh, hit your vehicle. <laughs> There's but, a whole lot more police on the inside of the gate. Yeah, that's right. Park. Stealing barbecue pits and <laughs> and all of that. So Yeah, so sort of a crazy deal waking up this morning to that. Super wild. But for all of you guys gearing up for January 1, kind of rolling, rocking and rolling, I would encourage you guys to consider maybe not planning goals for the whole year, but possibly taking on the idea of doing a 12-week year. That's something that me and some guys I'm in the study group are, are doing is um, this idea of, I'm going to shrink my goals from a year down to 12 weeks. There's a book by Brian Moran, 12-week mm-hmm. yep. year. Have you read it? Yeah, I have. It was a long time ago. I probably need to revisit it. I've got it on my Kindle still. I remember it being really awesome because it really spoke to the way that my brain works when it comes to deadlines and goal setting. It's really hard for me, and I'm I'm sure many out there are like this, it's really hard for me to sit down on January 1 and really with a lot of passion and a lot of excitement, look ahead to December 31 and try to map out the things that I'm going to do. Now, there are some guys that can do that, more power to you, but I think we all have to figure out how we work differently than others. But I would say most people out there can really go along this line of a maybe a shorter time frame. It's like we talked about last time with the Ultradian rhythms. Your brain is wired. You've been made to really go a burst of time, and that's different. You know, maybe 30, 60, 90 minutes for some people, it's different. But for the average human out there, I would say somewhere around 60 minutes of deep, hard work, and then you need to go take a break. You need to let your brain refresh. Same idea here, where we're breaking down each year into a 12-week system to really stay more focused on that particular goal. Yeah. Do you have any idea what the number of failed resolutions is? You know, if you make a New Year's resolution, is there like a 4% uh, all chance? All of them. Okay. <laughs> I don't know of anyone uh, in my life that's like, man, every year I make my New Year's resolution and that's what I stick to. I'm, nobody's ever told me that. So yeah. I'm guessing it's zero. Yeah. Well, the time horizon is too long. It's like, I'm going to work out every day. Well, you know, six months in, you're not working out at all. Or two weeks in. Or two weeks in, you're not working out at all. Because it's too big of a goal and it's too big of a time horizon. So here's the breakdown of this book. I'm about halfway, three quarters of the way through the book. It's been really impactful so far. The major premise is this. We have this idea to take a year and shrink it down into 12 weeks. And the reason for 12 weeks is 12 weeks is enough time to make changes in your business, you know, to make changes in your personal life. If, if your goal is maybe to improve your marriage 12 weeks is enough time to intentionally date your wife. 12 weeks is enough time to, you know, take her out for dinner, you know, once a week or twice a week or three times a week or 
maybe buy her a massage regularly or have more couch time together. But it's it's enough a short enough period of time to where you can actually track your results and you sort of have this ticking time clock of I have a deadline. I see the end goal, but I, I've got sort of a a trademark of I know, no questions asked, I have a deadline of January, you know, or March thirty first or whatever the number is that I have to be successful within this window of time. It's kind of like the reason why salespeople always do really well at the end of the year is because all of the goals come to, you know, ahead December 31st. Yeah. The awards are won, whatever it is. Um, and so people are pushing business, pushing business, pushing business before the end of the year. And they're way more productive that last two weeks than they were in the entire year. Yeah. Or yeah. even like our office where there's low production after, you know, kind of in the summer months. So there's actually a, an effort to put forth a three-month contest then that actually gets revenue up yep. as well. So you can, I mean, you, it works for either way. When revenue's down, you guys out there that are entrepreneurs, if revenue's down, implement a contest during your one or two down points of the year. See how that brings revenue up. For most people, like you said, it's the end of the year where we're, especially people in sales are out there really grinding it out, trying to get these deadlines and end of year stuff for inventory and all of that closed out. Yeah. Absolutely. And so the premise is we're shrinking the year down to 12 weeks. Now, here is the thing. We can easily blow off our, our goals and, and kind of get sidetracked even in a short period like 12 weeks if we're not careful. And so the driving factors on success, at least based on this book, are the first thing is we have to know what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And so the recommendation I'd have is write down what it is that you What's most important to you? So not just what do you want to accomplish, but what is the most important thing that we want to accomplish? Write it down, put it in front of your face, um, maybe at work, maybe at the house, four or five different places, if you will. That way you can look at it all day. So the first thing is we got to know what it is that we really want. Second thing is we got to write so it down. So would you describe that as vision or your big compelling why? Because I hear those things may sound a lot the same, but I hear actually people breaking them down to mean different things. What would you yeah. describe the book? Well, the first, so the vision is, is absolutely the most important because we got to know what it is we're trying to accomplish and have a big enough vision to actually dream it up. It's not enough to just say, well, I want to do a little bit more than what I did last year, right? That's weak. Yeah. That's so weak. Which a lot of people kind of give that as their goal, but they mask it in some pretty, you know, descriptive form, but really it doesn't go deep. It kind of comes out to, I'm just going to do a little bit better than I did last year and have some growth. Yep. So we, we got to figure out what it is you want to accomplish. And the second thing is we, you do want to pin down your why. Why is this important to you? Why is it important that I double my production from last year or triple my production from last year? What is that going to do for you, for your lifestyle, for your family, uh, maybe for your kids, maybe for your grandkids? So what are we trying to accomplish? Why are we trying to accomplish it? And then the recommendation is we want to take a lopsided focus on this one thing. So you might have, you know, 15 different goals for this year, but we want to take an intentional imbalance on this one area or these two areas of our business or of our home life, or our personal life, whatever it is. And with this intentional imbalance, we're going to spend, instead of spending 10% of our time doing these revenue generating activities, we're going to spend 90% of our time focused on this one thing or these two things. That are going right? to move the needle the that most. The needle. And, big, and I think the way that he describes it in the book, if I'm remembering correctly, is the whole idea behind a 12-week year is he breaks down the year in four segments, as we said, where it's easier to, to focus on and easier to look at. But then also he goes a step further. I thought this was really interesting where he says that every 12 weeks is a year, hence the name of the book. Yep. 
but that every week is almost like a month. Yep. You got 12 months in a year, 12 weeks. Every week is a month. Every day is a week. Yep. So if you think about that and you go, okay, what is he really trying to get at here? What he's trying to get at is if we're going to make the biggest impact on the most important things that we put on that priority during that 12 weeks, it's so crucial to hit the, hit the mark with the arrow. It's so crucial to hit the target that every day that you go to the office and waste time, you play office like we've talked about before, you could leave like on a normal day and say, ah, gosh, I wasted a lot of time. I got caught up on some ESPN or talking to people in the office, whatever. I'll just really crank it out tomorrow. Yep. Well, the idea with the 12-week year is this thing is so important for you to get accomplished and get done quickly to make the biggest dent throughout your year that wasting time on one day is the equivalent of all the time you just wasted during a week in a typical normal year. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting is that you can also hold yourself accountable to a smaller amount of weeks to help you hit the target, which is going to keep you more energized and refreshed. But even if you break it down by week or by day, you can really see, man, I just wasted a ton of time uh, not doing the right thing toward this goal. Or you could even take it further and say, every hour that I waste is a day on my calendar that I've destroyed. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I didn't even think about it that way. Isn't that crazy? Every hour I waste is the equivalent of a day. And some people may hear that and go, okay, that's semantics, that's silly, whatever. I think the reason, if I remember correctly from the book, the reason that he's putting so much emphasis and weight on the 12-week year is that if these things really are that important to you, then every hour, as you just mentioned, that we miss is the equivalent of the kind of lackluster effort that we give to an entire year on things that maybe aren't as important. Absolutely. Yeah, it's wild. I agree 100%. So here's the recap. The big thing is we got to figure out, we got to shrink our goals down from a year, which is, in my opinion, just too broad. There's too much that can go wrong. Uh, it's too easy to get discouraged if, if we're on a year time horizon. And there's not enough weighing on your shoulders in terms of a deadline. So can we shrink our year down to 12 weeks? And then can we define what it is that we want to do, right? Why is it that we want to do it? Can we put it in front of our faces on a daily basis, be looking at it in the morning, be looking at it in the, in the evening? And then the other thing that we didn't talk about is tracking it. So being accountable mm. to what it is that, that we're laying out, you know, having a vision uh, but also having a plan on how we're going to get from point A to point B. So having a plan to get from point A to point B, but then also tracking our progress on an, a daily basis or e maybe even on an hourly basis on that. Are we on track to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish? Or are we just kind of ships in the night, just floating? You know, I would assume a lot of the guys and girls that listen to this podcast are in some sort of high energy, really productive oriented business. Maybe we're wrong about that, but no, I see the demographics come in and it's, it's people that, I mean, there's a wide range, right? I tell people all the time, cause I get that question a lot. It's interesting. I get that question from a lot of people asking, Hey, who's tuning into your podcast? And it's a wide range. And I really like that because I'm not, nothing against niche podcasts out there, but there's a, a much smaller segment. I feel like we've got the ability to bring a lot of impact to a lot of different walks of life and professions, but it's everybody from, I would say around 22 to 65, somewhere in there. Highly active roles. What does that mean? That's coaches, athletes, mindset consultants, entrepreneurs, executives, people out there doing really big things each day, but that also come with a lot of stress and they're looking for ways to get better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think to that, my fear for this podcast is that we're going to have just an hour each week or 35 minutes each week um, sharing some great ideas of stuff that we've ingested, maybe sharing with you guys. My fear is that we share great ideas that don't get implemented because 
I'm the king of that. I'll read a good book and, and I'll go, man, that was really incredible. And then I'll forget to implement it. Yep. Uh, because I, I'll read, you know, four or five other books that are also really good. And, you know, it's, it's tough to take action. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. There's too much noice too out there. Much, too, too much. Too much. By the time you know you, too much. Yeah. You know too much. And it's analysis. It, well, I don't know if it's analysis paralysis because you're not even analyzing the stuff. It's just everything's coming at you. I've got the best of intentions when I read a book. But if I don't write down the notes, I used to say I need to write down all of my notes when I read a book or I'm not going to remember those things. While that's true, I've found more recently in my life, I can write down a bunch of notes. I got a whole bunch of notes saved up that I've done nothing with. Yeah. So you can also get in that trap of uh, really just taking it the extra step and then realizing I still have to go do some action with this. Yeah, because a lot of our problem is not a lack of knowledge. It's just a lack of action. And that's the big thing here. With the 12-week year, we're trying to get you from uh, a place of having a lot of knowledge, knowing what you should do, and then moving into a place where we're actually taking action on what we should do. Um, you know, if you're in some sort of sales, you know that prospecting is probably the most important part of your job, right? Knowing who to call on, calling on the people that you should be calling on. In Jared and I's business, you know, as financial advisors, it's really important that we call on people that actually have money to invest with us, Right. And so a lot of times, especially newer advisors, they'll get in the business and they'll be afraid to call on uh, the prospect Mr. Big, right? Somebody who has uh, mega wealth, maybe or not. And there is an advisor to advisors that we all in this office subscribe to named Nick Murray. I love Nick Murray. Uh, Nick Murray's great. I mean, he just, he, he really knows how to articulate what our role is as advisors. And he's written a lot of great books. And one of the books he's written is about prospecting. And he talks about just knowing that you've got resources at your fingertips uh, to give every prospect what they need, but also not being afraid to call on them before you feel like you have en enough knowledge to do so. So a lot of guys, they'll get in the business and they'll say, you know, I'm going to wait until I have all of my designations in a row and I'm smart enough or I know enough about, you know, financial advising or, or the business to actually help this prospect out. And Nick Murray says, well, there's plenty of senior advisors in your office that can help you take care of this Mr. Prospect, this Mr. Big, if you'll just pick up the phone and, and call on him. But if you don't pick up the phone and call on him, he's never going to get any help at all. Right. Right. And so he uses an example. He says, listen, if you are standing in front of a wall and the wall represents knowledge, and let's just say the wall is 30 yards away, right? You're standing in front of the wall. The wall is knowledge. We're going to read and ingest knowledge before we pick up the phone and call this prospect, right? Well, if every book you read gets you 50% closer to the wall, how long will it be until you reach the wall when you've, you are qualified to call on Mr. Prospect? Yeah, you'll never get there. You'll never get there. Yeah. Because if we only get 50% closer, we're never actually going to be able to touch the wall. So the idea is we, of course, want to continue to be learning and become more knowledgeable but the thing is, if we never just, you know, courageously pick up the phone and dial, you're never going to get anything done. Yeah. And that reminds me, I, I haven't thought about it that way, but it reminds me of when your favorite football team's playing and the other team keeps getting penalized. You know, you're trying to go in the end zone and they say, you know, you're penalized half the distance to the goal line and they move you <laughs> up a little bit. And it's like, okay, half the distance to the goal line. It's like dude, the nose of that ball is basically over the line already, but they do. They just keep moving it up. I mean, that's pretty interesting. That's a big point. If we continue to only get 50% better, or even if we just get 75% better, I mean, you could take it to whatever number below 100. If that's the amount that we continue to get better, we'll progress, we'll move up, but we'll likely never get to a lot of the goals and ideas and dreams that we have, even though we probably feel like we're making 
a big push. We're making a big impact. We'll never get there. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. I know there's another idea out there. You may have heard Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art. If you've never heard that, it doesn't matter if you're an artist or not. It's just about creating and building things. Go check out The War of Art and listen to it on audiobooks. There's a really funny narrator that does it on there. Uh, But he talks about that. I think he got the idea from somewhere else that had even been said before. But it's this idea of ready, fire, aim. And many of you out there have heard that before. And the idea ready, there, fire, aim, ready, fire, aim. And the idea there is just exactly what you were just referring to. So many of us out there, and I still get caught up in this sometimes. So many of us out there know what we should be doing. We've been given the blueprint. We've been given the tools, but yet we think we have to have it all together. We're still playing office. And that could go for many of you out there, any profession that you're in. You need to be courageous. You need to take the ball and run with it, so to speak, not to be too cliche there, but you need to pick up the phone and make it happen. You know way more, all of you out there, we all know way more than we think we do about our field or our profession that we've been trained in. Even if we're you know, pretty new on the job, there's likely some type of high level training that you've had. And the idea there is let's not wait until everything's perfect because that day will never come. You'll never be perfect ever. Never. So you've got to pick up the gun and you've got to say, ready, fire which goes against everything that culture tells us typically, ready, fire, and then as that bullet's fired, as that arrow's fired, we can start making corrections and we can maneuver things and, uh, you know, and get get to the right location that we need to get to or the right end goal. Yeah, absolutely. That's golden. It really is. That's some real truth. Yeah, it reminds me of the drone that I was flying around uh, that I got for Christmas from my parents this year. I've always said I wanted a drone to take pictures of our land and stuff like that. So on day two, whenever I had lost it twice uh, already, (laughs) and we're throwing hammers up in trees, my dad and I were throwing paint cans. It was about 65 foot up in the top of this pine tree. No, And it wouldn't fly correctly. Like I couldn't get the trim figured out. It would try to hover in midair, but it would be floating off to the right or left as it was hovering. So the first time I lost it, it was by uh, by a lake that we have on our land. I had to get out in the canoe and go around to the other side of the lake to try to find it. Second time, it was up in a pine tree. We're throwing hammers and stuff. Well, I get down there. I mean, we've been throwing all day. We get it. Uh, my dad gets out a shotgun and tries to shoot it down. He's breaking <laughs> limbs on each side of it. Well, finally, we I mean, we had both said that if this thing falls, it's going to fall down to the limbs below. So to make a long story short, that's exactly what happened. He broke all the limbs off while he was shooting it. It fell down to some lower limbs. Now we're like, okay, it's lower. We can shoot. We can throw a hammer, whatever. Last attempt that I had, I picked up a two by four that was on the ground and tried to underhand throw it straight up. And something in my arm, I've never heard anything pop or feel the way that it did. I thought at first maybe a tendon had come loose from a bicep no. or something. So why why do I tell you guys all this? Well, first of all, my arm's hurting while I'm sitting here. That's number one. But it's that idea of, you know, let's say a drone. We may not know exactly how to fly a drone, just to try to make this fit the story here. We may not know exactly how to fly a drone. We can figure out and we can learn it. But we've got to get the thing off the ground before we can figure out how to steer it and take it to where it needs to go. True. Now, if you're in my case, you're going to get it lost twice. It doesn't matter <laughs> anyway. And then the drone wins because you hurt yourself. But my dad finally got it down and I took it back and told him it was defective. And, you know, how did whatever. he get it down? Uh, I woke up the next morning and he came out there. It was sitting in the garage and he said he finally threw a hammer and it just hit it the right way. And <laughs> got it down. But we also got two hammers stuck up in the trees while we were trying to get no. uh, get it down. So anyway, all that to say is we've got to get our goals and ambitions and our actions off the ground. Get yes. them up. Get them moving. Tal Ben-Shahar talks about a five-minute takeoff. You guys have heard me talk about that before, where if you're dreading getting into something that's going to take action, just use five minutes to get going. Uh, somebody told me that about reading Scripture one time. They said, read the, 
<laughs> they're trying to make it politically correct, but they said, read a sentence out of the greatest book or the best-selling book ever written in history, which is the Bible. Huh. Uh, but the point there is you're not just going to read one sentence. If you crack the thing open and you get into it, you're going to read more than that. Yep. If you do a five-minute takeoff, if you just put all of your desires behind you and you get into this deep work, you're going to work on it more than five minutes. And before yep. you know it, you might be 30 minutes into deep work, but we have to fire. We have to, we have to be ready. We can't just go into it blind, but mo- most of you are more ready than you think. We have to fire, and then let's make corrections along the way. Absolutely. I love that. I think at the end of the day, when we're talking about the 12-week year, the big thing is an intentional imbalance for whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish, right? We have to target what is the one thing that is absolutely the most important thing that we get done in the next 12 weeks. No questions asked. By the end of this 12-week period, we will have accomplished X, Y, or Z. What is that? What's that letter for you? Yeah. And without getting clear on that, I don't think you're going to be able to maximize every day, week or 12 weeks, I guess, to say in order to really, I mean, that's what he's all about in this book is just taking massive action and making big strides towards your goal. And when time is really crunched down on you, that's when most of us perform best. Absolutely. Have you read uh, the book, The One Thing? by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. No, tell me about it. Okay, so at the time we're recording this, I just had Angela Duckworth's podcast uh, that went out, and she's great. The book Grit, I would highly encourage you guys to go listen to that podcast and get the book. She's awesome. But the two books that I've heard mentioned to me more than any this past year were Grit by Angela Duckworth, and then also The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And I would encourage you guys to get that because all year long, I've heard people say, have you read Grit? Have you read The One Thing? Well, I had a chance just this past week to have Jay on the podcast. That has not posted just yet. It'll come out here in the new year uh, fairly quickly. But the big focus there is just what it sounds like. It's focusing on one big but important thing at a time, similar to what you were just talking about. And though it doesn't give a specific time frame to that, it could, for some people, their one thing could be a lifetime. But I think if we're going to get serious about accomplishing things, we need to figure out that one thing. What is the biggest thing that will move the needle? And in fact, they say in the book, the focusing question they give is, what is the one thing you can do so that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? Wow. So there's a lot of delegation talked about there. There's a lot of focus talked about there. A lot of systems talked about there. It's why it's so crucial I think for you guys to get this, but you've got to think about that one specific thing at a time. And then the biggest thing also that they say that could help you with this is focus, really defining focus for them is deciding what things you are not going to do. So many people talk about focus and then they mention all these things they've got to do to be focused and accomplish their goals. And we might be doing this completely backwards because what they're saying is focus is deciding what things you are not going to do. And I think that's a really interesting way to think about it because if we're not thinking about the things we're not going to do, and we're only thinking about all the things we need to do, then we're not prepared when roadblocks come our way. Yeah, that's the other side of the ready, fire, aim. Correct. If there's only 24 hours in in a day, there's a whole lot of wasted time that we're going to have to learn to cut out in order to be productive. That's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Another good point in that book is the 80-20 principle. You guys have heard about that. It's the Pareto principle. That's just the idea that 80% of the results typically come from 20% of the actions. Or in business, 80% of the revenue typically comes from 20% of the systems or the clients or however you want to look at that. And they encourage you to use the 80-20 principle to go even deeper. So what they say is take that 80-20 principle that for years and years and years now has proven itself to be true. Yep. But you've got to go deeper with that. Similar to what you mentioned a couple of podcasts ago with the exercise, what do you really want? 
Yeah. What do you really want? What do you really want? What do you really want? There's a book right now called Millionaire Success Secrets by Dean Graziosi that's out. And he's got a concept in that book that talks about psychology tells you that it's seven levels deep. When you ask somebody, what do you want? They may at first give you the broad answer, like you mentioned earlier, of I just want to grow this year. Yep. You have to take that further. And this is good for you guys that are coaches out there or mentoring or leading people. You've got to take it further and say, well, why do you want that? Why do you want that? Why do you want that? And psychology tells you it's seven. It can be more than seven sometimes, but it's never less than seven. Uh, have you ever wondered why phone numbers back in the day were seven digits? No, why are it's, they? It's because our brains can remember seven digits. It's because our brains can remember seven digits easier than any other number pattern, psychologists tell us. Wow. So if you need to remember a number, like they had to do back in the old days, when phones were out and they didn't have caller ID or save numbers and all of this. Or it's, area codes. Or area codes, right? You could remember a seven-digit number very easy compared to, uh, you know, a 12-digit number or something or like that. Or maybe even a six. Yes. Right? Could you, you could as silly as that sounds. Seven yeah, before absolutely. You could, so cool. these are just little things that we've got to tap into. But back to the one thing, the 80-20 principle says to take Pareto's principle and go deeper on it. We've got to go several levels deep on that to say, what is 20% of the 80%? But then what is 20% of that and 20% of that and 20% of that? And when you really start breaking it down that way and going deeper, you're going to be so much more focused on the things that you need to do to accomplish your win. But you're going to be really focused and listing out the things that you don't need to do in order to stay away from those roadblocks. So basically what you're saying is we're trying to figure out what is the most important actions that we're trying to take and drill down even deeper and deeper and deeper until we know almost on an hourly basis or even minute by minute what we ought to be doing. Yeah, and really to get to the one thing, because there's a lot of ideas you may have out there of what could move the needle for you or your business this year, but there may be five different things. Using the 80-20 principle and then drilling down further and further and further on 20% of each one of those why objectives could help you to eliminate things. You thought something was really important for your business this year, and it turns out it's not as important as other things. We really want to get down to that one thing. In fact, they say identify what's most important and give that thing your undivided attention, not dealing with the noise, as we just mentioned, where there's lots of things going on out there and you're kind of stuck because you want to do great things, but you just can't get past all the noise that's out there. Yeah, that's awesome. They also talk through this idea that a small dose of discipline develops into a long lasting habit. When we give things priority and we stick to those things and we hone them, we refine them, we really master those things. And, and again, this could be a short amount of time or a long amount of time. Uh, we're going to be living more by priority. And in fact, in the book, this is one of the chapters that I love. They say every organization wants the two Ps. So if you hear about businesses out there talking about what's going to make them the most successful, typically you find that there's some conversation of two Ps that are going on. Those are productivity and profit. If we don't have people working in the right ways, we're probably going to be unprofitable. If we don't have anybody working and we just got an idea, we're probably not going to have a lot of productivity going on. Yep. Right. But most organizations don't realize they say that there's actually two Ps that must come first. And these have to serve as the foundation for the second two. And those are purpose and priority. Mm. So in their order, they would say it's purpose, figuring out what it is that you really want to accomplish, figuring out your priority so that you can tackle the one big thing first or one of those things first, which is the first one you're going to tackle there. And then we can get clear on how we're going to be productive and then eventually turn that productivity into dollars. Wow. I think purpose is huge. I mean, I think the resounding theme of the millennial generation is we want to feel like we're a part of a, uh, an organization that has 
a vision and a strong purpose. Right. Right. A that, meaning. Yeah. Yeah. That does something in the world or, you know, maybe makes an impact. Um, and so that's, I think, if you're building a business or you're a business owner already, that's probably a theme that should really resound well with you if it doesn't already. Yeah, you, you have to find that. And I think for a lot of people out there that are working to get money, now, most of us wouldn't work for free out there, right? But I think if you're just working for money, I tell a lot of our financial advisors, you won't be here for very long. It's too hard to just earn money if there's not a fulfilling passion and fire burning within you as to why you're getting up and battling through the hardships every day. Yeah. If your only focus as a financial advisor is, is to make money, you're going to be broke. Right. Yeah. And, and I would say that for a lot of I say that for a lot of professions out yeah. there, especially any entrepreneur out there that's trying to get something off the ground and going. Another great idea in this book is something I'd never heard of before until I read it. And that's goal setting to the now, which has a lot more importance behind it than what it may sound. But I want you guys out there to think about goal planning like dominoes. You've heard me talk about the domino exercise likely before where we're figuring out our important domino at the end and then breaking that down backwards step by step. This is where a lot of that idea came from was the one thing. So we want to start out in the future and we want to ask, what is the one big thing I want to do someday? You don't have to know exactly when you want to do it, especially if you're trying to build a business. But someday I would like to accomplish X. Now that's going to be big and it's going to be broad and maybe even really hard to get your arms around. But then that's where you start working backwards and crafting this thing into an actual doable vision. So you say, what is the one thing I want to do five years from now? What is the one big thing I want to do this year? What is the one big thing I want to do this quarter, this month, this week? And then finally, what should I be doing right now to knock over those dominoes? Wow. Because it's like we said earlier, if you say, look, 10 years from now, even five years from now, whatever time frame you want to put out there, I want to be in a position to do X. Okay, I'll start working toward that. That's way too hard. It's too tough. We just said earlier that 12 months was too long to do that for. But what happens is with the 12-week year, as you mentioned, is people could also get bogged down into a small vision. True. Is they could say, I'm going to focus on this next thing for 12 weeks and really not look anywhere beyond that. Yep. So the thing I love about this is it's saying, pick the big grandiose thing you want to do out there, put it on your radar, and then let's start working backwards. If it's a 10-year goal or five-year goal, figure that out, define it, and then start working backwards to all the way down to what do I need to be doing right now to start knocking over those dominoes. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you have a, a vision to have a beach house in, you know, California and a house in Colorado and or maybe your goal is to have a charity that, you know, gives millions of dollars to, to an organization. You need to know that although we have this grandiose vision, what are the steps that we got to take on a daily basis to put us in a position five years from now to be there or 15 years from now to be there? Yeah. And then there's got to be accountability behind that as well. Uh, in fact, in the book, they say that time blocking mastery, mapping out your goals, all these techniques, all this, what could be noise if it's not used the right way, right? All of that has to have some accountability behind it so that people know what you're going through and can hold you accountable to those ideas. One of the quotes in the book was from Michelangelo, where he said, if people knew how hard I had to work to gain my mastery, it wouldn't seem wonderful at all. Wow. So the idea there is mastery can look really messy. We can make some missteps along the way. We can put a ton of work and be very underpaid into things and not look like we're moving the needle very far. But if there's accountability and if we're clear on our time blocking and what we need to be doing right now to knock over those dominoes, though it doesn't look wonderful today, we're going to be a lot more apt to stay on track and eventually accomplish where we're trying to go. Yep. Agreed. 
And so in wrapping up the podcast here, I'll talk about an idea that they talked through in the book, and that's the four thieves of productivity. So if we're really going to get serious about 2017 and making it different than other years, we've got to figure out what is going to steal our time. And I think that goes back to what I mentioned a second ago, not just focusing on the things that we need to do, but focusing on all the things that we have to say no to and keep out of the way that could rob our productivity, right? Yeah. So they talk about it this way. It's number one is the inability to say no. Wow. There's a lot of people out there that feel like if they say no, they're going to miss out on things. The fear of missing out. They feel like they're going to feel rude or uh, like a jerk for telling people no, that they can't help with certain things. And what they're doing is they're putting other people's priorities above theirs. And in some cases, guys, you have to do that. I'm not saying don't help other people out whenever they ask. I'm not saying don't spend time in your offices. I mean, I do that a lot. I'm sure you do as well with people that are younger than you in the business. They just need help on things. Yep. We have to be available to help. But at some point, when it really comes time to make things happen, we've got to have that ability to say no, or we're going to start sacrificing our own time just because of the fear that we can't say no Absolutely. to other people. The second one is fear of chaos. There's a lot of people out there that don't want to do all of this planning and don't want to come up with all of these ideas simply because it would be a little too busy for them to do. They want to show up. They want to take the knowledge they have and they want to run forward. And basically, in my opinion, the book doesn't say this, but they just want to hope good things happen. Yep. There's a lot of people operating out there without a vision, without a purpose, without a clear direction, which for me, personally, for me, actually brings a lot less chaos in my life. But I get what they're saying there. For a lot of people, when you start putting a lot of strategies and implementation in place, it's change. And you have to learn how to work around that change. But those things are going to steal your productivity. Also, poor health habits. We are in a performance-based business. All of that demographic of people that I just listen that tune in regularly to the podcast in some form or fashion are all in high-activity, high-performance-based, usually high-stress-based yep. businesses. We are here to take action on things. And if we're in poor health, and that doesn't mean you overeat all the time, it could be lack of sleep, it could be brain fog, it could be anything. Those things are going to rob us from our productivity. And then the last one, which I think could be one of the biggest one, is being in an environment that doesn't support your goals. Or I would take that a step further and say being around a lot of people that don't support your goals. Absolutely. That's huge. Yeah. Jim Rohn said, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Yep. Many of us have heard that our whole life and we go, ah. That's a cool phrase. It truly is. The older I get and the more business interactions I have, we really are the sum of the people that we spend the most time with on a personal and or business setting or both if those worlds collide a lot. Yep. And I think you've got to get really intentional about who you're going to let support you in your life. Even if it doesn't feel like that in the moment, the people who are around you are going to support you or they're going to let you down on your hopes and your goals. That's it. Man, that's so strong and so true. I just had Chandler Bolt on the podcast. If you guys haven't seen anything from Chandler Bolt, look him up on social media. He just put out a book. He's got about seven books out there now. He just put out a book called Published that just hit number one on the Amazon bestseller. That episode is not posted yet at this time, but we go into a long conversation about, you know, it feels weird at first whenever you do this, but it's very empowering if you do it the right way. It's just there's people maybe you went to high school with, maybe you went to college with, maybe even heck, people in your own family that you in a very loving and professional sometimes way have to say, man, here's what I'm focused on. Here's what I'm trying to do in life. And the negative talk that you bring into the conversation, man, I love you, but I'm not going to do that anymore. We're just going to part ways and I'm not going to be able to hang out with you anymore. And you've got to get prepared for a little bit of kickback on that because not everyone's going to see it that way. They'll get defensive. But once you do it the right way a couple of times, he said, it's so freeing to be able to know 
that you're going to invite healthy relationships into your life that are on the same page as you, or at least know how to deal with some of the more negative ones and when you can and can't associate with them at different times in life. Yeah. And what it may cause those friends, those negative relationships to do is simply to grow up a little bit. It's either, you're either going to say, Hey, you know, time out. We've got to stop spending time with you. You're bringing me down. It may just mean that that's the end of that relationship or it could be that's a wake up call for that friend of yours to really maybe get his life together or her life together or um, maybe just not to interact that way around you. Yeah. And that's in fact, that's the conversation that I went into with Chandler. As I said, you know, I told him, man, that's there's a lot of wisdom in that. But don't give up on those people because I was that guy. Yep. I was the guy that sucked the energy and life out of the room for a long time. Uh, just bulldogging it in business or, you know, being a realist, telling people how it was, coaching people that way, kind of the high commander style. And I think there's plenty of psychology out there. I mean, go back and listen to my Angela Duckworth conversation where there's plenty of conversation out there, even in the military now, that shows that just the high commander style, you telling people how it should be and giving them, you know, the what for all the time of how you think about things really is not going to help people a ton. But I was that guy that really probably sucked and drained a lot of positivity out of people. And it wasn't until I started seeing people that I was coaching respond the same way to me that really turned on the spotlight for me to realize, wow, I've really got to change my ways. So I'm sure there's some people that gave up on me uh, early in life and uh, and for good reason, because I was pretty negative. <laughs> uh, but that's what I encouraged him. I said, look, let's not give up on those people. Let's help coach them to this way. At some point, though, if they're just not getting it, just as people probably had to do with you me, gotta cut them off. you got to cut them loose. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the lessons I learned there. And hopefully you guys will take that to heart as well. But uh, yeah, the one thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan is what we were just discussing. You'll hear Jay's episode come out here in about a week or two on the Success 101 podcast. Look forward to bringing that out to you guys. Yeah. Other book we were talking about, The 12-Week Year, Brian P. Moran. You know, like Jared and I have talked about, audiobooks are an incredible way to get some of this information downloaded while you're driving or maybe while, you know, you're trying to do two things at once, work out and, and listen to some good knowledge at the same time. Guys, we've enjoyed having you here on the Success 101 podcast, and I would encourage you to keep sending in your comments to us. That's what keeps this thing going and keeps us energized to keep putting stuff out your way. If you want to connect with us or our team, please shoot an email to info at success 101 podcast. You can catch me in the world of social media as well on Facebook and Instagram under the name at success 101 podcast. And you can catch Jordan on Facebook and LinkedIn if you want to shoot him a message as well. We'll catch you guys on the next episode of the success 101 podcast live until then.